0: Hey guys, tonight, special guest, first time on the show, we're going to talk about what really grinds our gears. Hey guys, welcome back. Trading desk, Thursday night as usual. Very, very special guest. We've been trying to line this up for quite some time. You guys know him as the the guy teaching the classroom. Oh, that's right. From time to time.
1: Thrilled to be here. Introduce yourself. It's me, Armand.
0: It's me, Armand. <laughs> uh, you'll notice on the drop-down screen there, we have our Instagrams, obviously. Uh, as a new addition for information, mine is watches. You guys know me, Jason. Uh, your host for Trading Desk, Armand, uh, uh, hopefully. It's me,
1: Armand, on uh, Instagram. And, uh, yeah, that's my email address as well.
0: Clever Instagram name. <laughs> um, we'll hopefully be on the show more. We'll leave that up to you guys. At the end of this episode, we will vote on Armand's fate. But, uh, no, in, in all seriousness, Armand is one of those guys in the office that's pretty instrumental, especially to the younger guys that are training. Um, just a wealth of flattered. random weird information. Uh, I gave Armand a little trophy the other day for training new people <laughs> uh, where I might not have the patience for that. Um, but, yeah, one of those guys that's always got a random, like, little fact about something or a did-you-know situation. So, do my best. Happy to have him on the TV. That is why he's on the uh
1: on the show. Sure. Love so, it.
0: fantastic. Uh, Armin, trading desk. Right after intros, we usually roll into wrist shots. Cool. I'll let you go first.
1: Where do I zoom Armin in? Armin is
0: a true watch guy.
1: This is this a... This is his watch. This is my watch. This is a, I believe it's 41 millimeter Hublot Super B chronograph. Now, I know that Hublot doesn't get the most love, but honestly, this era of Hublot is great. It's a good size. Cool dial. Kind of multi-texture. My fingerprints are all over it. Armin fights
0: tooth and nail in this, and, and that's the, uh... Which movement's in that again?
1: This is, uh... There's uh, a Dubois Dupree, Dupree module yeah. in this, so exactly. it's an ETA
0: base. Um, tooth and nail on that watch. Like, love same as watch. how I do with some of my others. You know, might get a little flack, but he is willing to fight back on that piece, so he stands by it. So, that's cool. I mean, that's what it's about, right?
1: It is, you gotta, absolutely. You gotta love it. All for the love. What about watch? you? What do you have on That's today?
0: a recent pickup for you, too. It is, yeah, yeah. So you guys know the, uh, second the white dial explorer 2 for those of you that aren't watching and are listening to the best rated hobby podcast in canada apparently um this is the 42 millimeter version so the current generation 216570 polar or better version i would say um i absolutely fell in love with this watch uh, a couple years ago it took me a little while to get one but uh, as you can see orange gmt hand stark white dial love the white date wheel against the white dial it's one of the reasons why the date doesn't bother me on this piece. This is but, one uh, that
1: I, I absolutely love. This watch, and I just I don't have the wrist to support it.
0: It's yeah, I get you. It's a little big. I personally it, it doesn't bother me, but when I do go back from like the Submariner case to this piece, yeah, you feel it. You definitely like do. Like you feel it a little bit. It takes a minute to get used to, but then it's so handsome with the white dial and the stark markers. That's really what gets it. It's the the black around the markers, the surrounds. Yeah, I agree. And the blue loom on this thing is amazing. Yeah, it's it lights so, up like a torch.
1: Yes, yeah, so. I do love the giant orange GMT hand too. It's I will say though I don't mind the red hand on the forty millimeter. I like the forty millimeter a lot too. It's just I find that the I mean the quality in the bracelet is definitely different. It's a thing. It, it really is, and I, I'm I love vintage Rolex. I had one until unfortunately very recently, and uh, I I love them through and through. But when you when you handle one of the new bracelets, it's really it's really different.
0: So I talked about that last week when we were talking about the Submariner. And yeah. it's like, having a current gen, I wouldn't mind owning an older piece also. But I wouldn't want to do it the inverse. Like, I wouldn't want to only have the old one. Yeah. I think, but this does it for me. And and the 40 millimeter version of this is just so far lacking that I don't think it makes,
1: like, it's, it's very, I wouldn't have both. It's very different, yeah. And unless you get something with the, uh, you know, a 3186 movement, um, you know, you, you have a little bit of characteristic... There, where the thirty one eighty six distribution of that was such a shorter time. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I I'm of a op- bit of an opposite thing. I can see myself only having like a vintage piece, like I did before right. with Rolex, um, and maybe because I did have a vintage piece for so long, that's why. But I understand what you're saying. Once you're used to the quality of modern Rolex, yeah. it's, it's strange to go back. It's tough, um, but yeah.
0: But all right, well, that's a. Uh little uh side spurt on <laughs> my wrist shot that. <laughs> i i bought so but no that's it uh so armin with the um with the hublo yep. and that you had that what like three months now or something longer like than that. that yeah yeah right and there. uh was super stoked to get it when he got it and
1: this is a piece that i've been eyeing for a long time and it, the circumstances in which it came to our shop were exactly right and uh, kind of found you it did it it it's found fun. me directly i love it
0: all right well that's wrist shots uh we're gonna do top five this week cool top five uh neither one of us has seen these we're gonna run through them real quick because i want to you know the topic of the show is, is lengthy so whoa well, look, look at uh look at our favorite <laughs> clock <laughs> everybody in the everybody. office okay so number five is a is a desk clock this is i bought this desk uh, clock. You, actually, you bought this clock it's uh, deceiving on the photos here because it's scaled to size with the watches, the way it's posted on our website. But this thing is about, I don't know, eight inches in, in it's, diameter. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Yeah, it's massive. It's like a desk clock. Uh, I don't know if this one's an alarm.
1: So this one's quartz and an alarm. Yes. And an alarm. Yep. Most of the desk clocks
0: usually are alarms, even if the watches aren't. This thing is awesome. It's, it's just a giant low paperweight
1: it's it's amazing and it, it may it's actually when i when i was purchasing this watch it actually spent a few days just sitting on my desk because yeah. i liked it so much before i kind of put it well, through the process what's funny
0: is like all the buyers in the office are like waiting for it for like the time to expire where we, we can buy it
1: yeah um, yeah <laughs> so it's, it's that cool this it's is like
0: it's like half novelty half kind of cool for your desk and it's, that's it's what's deep.
1: fun about it you know it's at it's at a price point that i think is it's very attainable and it's it's one of those things that even me personally, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I would buy that for my desk. Yeah. I mean, I say that while I'm wearing a Hublot, so take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> All right, so we
0: have a uh, the vintage Calatrava
1: paddock. Uh, yeah, what is that, a reference 96? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah.
0: Um. So it's 66.50. I would say this is probably... Uh, what's, what's interesting to see is, so the top five, just a brief overview, used to be, like, for a couple of weeks in a row, And kind of why we stopped doing them is it was like, there's two subs, there's two yeah, just yep. steals, there's two... So this is actually pretty diverse. I would say, you know, there's one, Ro- you know, two Rolexes on there um, and two paddocks, which is kind of cool. But so you have a vintage Calatrava, six grand gold paddock. Definitely see why that's being yeah. clicked on. Um, I would say a lot of people probably click on it, see the size, then go somewhere so
1: else. So it's interesting to me seeing this actually. And uh, I noticed that two outliers for me actually that I see are one, the solid gold Rolex and two, the reference 96, right? and what I think is why these probably got the most clicks. It's a solid gold Rolex for fifty four fifty. The reason being the size, of course, and then the reference ninety six for just a little over six thousand. Again, reason being size, right? Which is probably why it got so much attention. So
0: um, both those pieces, probably why they're there. Um, we do have a one other piece that we want to talk about on there too. But uh, real quick in the chat, just before this gets too crazy, I just want to give a shout out to the guy, the guys in the chat last week. Computer was closed, so I didn't get to do this, but. Matt Forster, always on there. JVO Surf. Uh, who else we got on there? Andrew's always on there. Wash Lounge. Um, you guys, like, it's going so fast that I can't even read. One of the great things about the chat is, like, they always, I kind of want to just, like, dive into the chat and read the, the banter that's going on because it's, <laughs> oh, on it's, it's it right always now. crazy. But then I have to do this show, which is live, <laughs> and it's, that would not play for a, a very uh, interesting show. But all right, so let's jump back. Let's finish top five real quick. So we discussed the Rolex. Is uh, your thoughts on this perpetual calendar? Oh, the fifty two hundred four nice, uh,
1: quarter chunk of a mill fifty two hundred four P. Absolutely fantastic piece. Of course, Paddocks uh, in house. Uh, I believe this is actually the. Oh, sorry, this is a split. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so this is a this is a heck of a caliber, man. Yeah. yeah. And with this piece, uh, this piece comes with a black dial, or in, with the option of a black or a, a silvery opaline dial. The black dial is so regal on this. I like the silvery opaline, but man, the black. The
0: silver is nice. When you put it next to the black, it's no comparison. You have the markers that just pop off this dial. Uh, not to mention that, you know, obviously it's it's a hell of a caliber and you get that regal, regal, like platinum yeah. on your wrist, little diamond stud, little, hey, listen, I'm here, action.
1: And you know, this piece is cool too. The The 5204 is amazing. The 5004 is the Predecessor to this, right. and actually one of my favorite references from Paddock, and th- they did mm-hmm. such a good job just modernizing this piece in a, in a really good way. I know one of the nice things about this piece too is it's a modern size, yeah, and it's also,
0: re- I mean, you could wear that under the radar, yeah, like it's, absolutely. It's very much, it's a, a white precious metal piece, which is always the you know kind of the stealth wealth aspect of it, but because it's a it's a chrono, it's a black dial and a black strap, it it fits that kind of. Under the radar, yeah. Kind of piece. I think
1: just. the biggest thing with this piece too is that it's extremely affordable. Two forty four five. I mean, that's it's not bad.
0: Yeah, it's only <laughs> it's only a quarter of a million. I mean, listen. This, <laughs> some days you just got to roll up in your in your Performante s and hang a, a quarter of a million dollar watch. Out I will
1: that. say though, I am a sucker for any split second watch. The you know, um, and adding a base caliper of a perpetual calendar is insanity. I love it. All
0: right. Did we talk about the datejust? Uh, do
1: we... we have a two-tone diamond dial, or rather, steel and gold diamond dial datejust. Uh, kind of the yellow gold dial. I'm a sucker for this. I like the watch a lot. The diamonds aren't personally my bag, but
0: yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's a two-tone datejust. It's kind of a run the, you know, it's, it's tough to say run of the mill, but it's that is the datejust 36 when you think about it in a two-tone. Um, you know, cool piece. I guess it, it's an entry-level two-tone Rolex. So. Yeah. Uh, fair to say that's probably why it's clicked on. That'll probably be sold next week.
1: Yeah, more than likely. But
0: all right, that's top five. It's nice and sweet, simple. Top five is cool for us because, like I explained last week, it's it's an unknown aspect. We go into it not not really knowing what we're gonna look at, and uh, we run a loose script for the show. But neither. I mean, I'm looking at the chat and Same. some emails. I'm not looking at a script for a show. So. Uh, I don't know why I type them up anymore. Really, the
1: I funny guess, uh, thing about that is, is the like the way you were explaining it to me. The uh, we don't get to see this information often, actually. Which I'm looking at this is like yeah. this is extremely useful, right? Yeah. Talk, <laughs> so talk it's kind of me. weird. I'll start being, forwarding it to you. Yeah, no, I'd love to love it. It's kind of weird being uh, coming up with that info, thinking, oh yeah, that is something cool to look at. <laughs> it's
0: like uh, insight into the marketing. It kind is, of yeah. It. But um, all right, so. In the cold opening, uh, this is a strict conversation that was born from Armin and I bitching at each other earlier today. And Armin knew he was going to be on the show. So we just kind of clicked and was like, let's make it easy. Let's just do this. Um, I was bombarded by maybe 15 or 20 messages last night on Instagram. Can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I don't. It's, it's very easy. I don't even have to look for this stuff anymore. People send it to me. <laughs> um, the the new Bill and Ross, the BR05. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then this morning you sent it to me. <laughs> And then we walked in the office and we just kind of, you know, like 60-year-old women just, you know, went back and forth at, at each other on it. I actually, my opinion is is reserved on this piece, but uh, we're going to go into it in, de- in detail. So this is the Grind My Gears uh, cold open entry, uh, not clickbait. We're going to talk about some some kind of controversial. I have
1: one comment on this before we start. Okay. One of the first, first links that comes up when you when you Google this <laughs> is Hypebeast. Now, I'm no stranger to things like this I, I I'm wearing off-white sneakers right now so I'm into this stuff but I'm thinking why why is this there first and foremost sorry I didn't mean to come right out of the gate with that but just seems like a weird platform to release it's
0: so I don't know if it was released on that or if it's the first site that covered the coverage yeah, and yeah so it, it's it's a wildfire right it's all over Instagram um I can't even like refresh my feed without seeing at least one post which is Honestly, I mean, good for Bell & Ross. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, cause the brand, listen, I like I like Bell and & Ross. And Same. we're going to talk about Ours as well. I like Bell & Ross. I like a lot of stuff that they do. The very first, it's funny, I, I, the very t- first 05 that I saw, I sent it to Josh. And then right after that, it was like 10, 15 messages. So my first look at the watch, I was, I was a little bit like, eh. Maybe it missed. And then I start looking at it a little bit. I would still want to see the watch. I got to put it on my wrist. There are some things that I really, really don't like about it. There are some things that I'm hoping are better on the wrist than in per- yeah. than in the photo. Yeah. So uh, we have a photo here. I mean, we it, there's no getting around this, right? It's a bastard child of four or five watches that are the hottest and watches in the, the industry. the good thing
1: is one of them is a Bell & Ross, so yeah, <laughs> that's... So it's, yeah, one of the the lineage, so
0: it's <laughs> it's not outwardly a bad looking watch. There are some really, really good things that are pulled from other watches. Right? I'm actually
1: cl- coming around to it very it's, much.
0: I think my major the major hesitation for me is the proportion of bezel to dial. It's not the case shape. Uh, it's not, mm. so I'm used to Bell & Ross being like you know, one, it's more square, not so cushiony. Yeah, circle peg. But I'm not, I'm not hating this because I love the O2 diver back in the day. I don't yep. know if you remember the tenode shape O2. Yep. So, I, I think the watch on a rubber band is an obvious problem. <laughs> like <Yeah>. it's, <laughs> it, uh, we, I think I have, I cropped a photo of, of a, uh, a certain paddock that this, <laughs> this may have ascended from, so you guys can get, let's, let's just, uh, so this. Watch to me when I first saw it is two or two or three Bell and Rosses in the mix. Yep. Uh, two of my favorite Bell and Rosses. So my absolute favorite Bell and Ross that was ever like I've ever handled and wanted is the Hydro Max. Yo, um,
1: yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. If you guys don't know what the Hydro Max was, it's this piece here came on either black dial, or white dial. It's a liquid silicone filled dive watch. It's like eleven thousand meters water so resistant. Cool. This to me was like. I really really wanted this watch i love this bracelet this the bracelet is what uh to me made it into the new watch if you look at this bracelet yeah i can definitely center link and we're talking like early 2000s this is an old bill and ross this is right after bill and ross came off of zen manufacturing their stuff um so i think there may have even been some hydromaxes that had the zen stamp on them um this one doesn't but this is the white dial which is my favorite variant yeah this is the best variant um this was where Bell & Ross started coming out with their packaging. This came in a dive, like a Pelican dive box. Super cool. Um, I think it came with some screwdrivers and some extra straps. So you can see the heritage of now we're used to them coming with
1: second straps and tools and all this stuff. And see, that's actually a point I was going to bring up. They, they kind of pigeonhole you a little bit in straps with this new release. So with the integrated bracelet and, and strap options, you're yes, you can get a custom custom straps but you know that's well
0: we'll see what the second gen releases you know if there's aftermarket straps you know or
1: what, but what i think actually could come out of this is i think they might say t- um, eventually maybe bite off of the interchangeable straps right now so they could ship this watch with a bracelet and a strap they Be could great.
0: so uh so for me i saw
1: and again the taper
0: in the bracelet the center link i saw the hydromax in the bracelet yeah which may or may only be me because I, I always, like, when I'm...
1: I see it now that you pointed it out. When
0: I'm uh, looking, you know, scouring eBay and stuff, the HydroMax Max is one of those things I search to see if I can find a cheap one. Yeah. Like, the so... The trick
1: is finding one with no bubbles. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um So that was that. The other watch that I love from Bell & Ross that eventually, if I find a good enough deal, I'm going to buy one, is the Space 3. Space 3 uh, for yep. me... So again, this is a watch, and I, I don't know if it's just that both of these came off the time when I was selling a lot of Bell and Ross and it was like it was it was a really, really cool watch to me. But the Space Three was one of those things also came in a cool set, came with a couple accessories, came in a cool package, had a very, very cool story. And this this watch directly came off the Zen uh, manufacturing line. They have it's a chronograph with the pushers hidden into the case. Yeah. Um, node case, which I think the O2 diver also came kind of from this design. But if you look again, same bracelet, integration into the case, I can see where some of the Bell and Ross DNA is coming from.
1: Yeah, I can so, see it too. And and to, to that, I mean, it's it's definitely, there is definitely a, a significant portion of Bell and Ross in there.
0: Right. So I, I give them a pass on some of this. Yeah. So, but let's talk about, I mean, it's a Panerai, it's a PAM002 dial. <laughs> it's So... I mean, look at the military. All right, so a lot of... There's some DNA from Bell & Ross, but only because they've done this dial yes, before. Yes,
1: absolutely. But
0: it's never... Let's not kid ourselves. Like, we've always said that they've copied... You know, they, that there's... Uh, whatever you want to call it. Heavily influenced or copied. Bell & Ross's uh, Panerai's aesthetic in their dial, their military dial, yep. into Bell & Ross's. It was one of the very first things that Bell & Ross adopted kind of from other brands. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Let's say they've been doing it. the... the uh, the time limit's up, right? They've been doing it for so long yeah. that yeah, hey, listen, we're gonna give them a free pass, I guess. But to me, I saw that new Bell and Ross, and part of me was at first like, ah, no pass. It's a Nautilus, Aquanaut, Panerai <laughs> so, hybrid.
1: So one of the most atrocious things, and I don't mean atrocious negatively, but like atrociously, atrociously copied things, mm-hmm. or the handset. It looks like they caught. Somebody stealing chopped off their hands and put them right on this watch. So the, and like,
0: it's funny because the handset comes from the I don't have a photo of it, but I should have. Is comes from the new diver. The, the or BRD.
1: it comes from the fifty seven eleven. Mm, fifty seven eleven.
0: Well, what I they literally have those hands sitting in a factory right, because right. of their diver, yeah. is What I'm saying. Um, so yeah, here's your fifty seven eleven. So it's just oh, okay. So I give it to them. They did a blue, but they didn't do line. They didn't I, do the graduated dial.
1: Thank you. But what Ellen they knows. did was
0: copy VC's blue. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, so listen, there's it's also got a little bit of Santos in the case. Yeah, the I edge see that the in case. the Crown,
1: Crown Guards. It's, Overall, I think it's I do think it's cool all still. Right, so
0: here's what I have to say. I want to see this watch on. I did crop a photo of the of the rotor on the case back of this watch, which to me is a super weird choice because there's nothing that outwardly that's a rim. That's yep. a car rim. Yep. There's nothing about this watch that is outwardly racing or sporty.
1: No. So other than the fact that it is a a sports watch, it's not even
0: even the first drop of it though is not being advertised as like a car watch. Yeah. So I don't understand the choice of this rotor.
1: It's weird to me. It's a bit strange. It's on the back.
0: It's not ugly. No, it's not. So it's it's whatever. I want to see the watch on my wrist and and judge it fairly. I'm I'm gonna give it a little bit of a pass for now because
1: I don't know what it it sits like on the wrist. The one thing that the, the strangest thing to me is they made it in gold. They did. They made it in gold, and it, it, it's it, it's crazy because it's an unapologetic, big gold watch, and I that's one I want to see in the metal. But, you know, the thing is, and you have one, uh, the Bulgari uh, Finissimo, mm-hmm. um, it kind of it has the same tone of rose to the rose gold Finissimo, and maybe that's just something that I'm kind of putting together now, but I can...
0: I see what you're saying. It's a flat a rose with a it's more of an industrial rose and not Yeah. It's be. less
1: um So the gold version of this,
0: I, I do dig the fact that like a lot of Bell and Ross is in your face, they don't they don't care what you think. They don't so the gold piece is kind of that. It's just double middle figures. Like yep. here's our new model. Take and I like it, it for that reason. Um so I doubt we're probably gonna see uh, the steel pieces obviously before we see one of those gold pieces in the office. Yeah. But I am looking forward to trying this watch on and then more than likely disowning it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But
0: I'm going to hold off uh before we, you know, rake it into the fire.
1: Yeah, I do. It's This is probably one that needs to be seen in the metal. But I, Again, I, I mean, I like a lot of Bell and Rosses. I think they, they could do, they could do make this a, a really cool piece.
0: We'll see. So, I mean, like, a lot of the Bell and Rosses that I like in the past didn't do very well. That's so <laughs> why they didn't stick around. Like, the Hydra Max, the, uh, the Hydra Max had a little bit of a run, but... Um, it was it was early in it's uh, in it's you know it's before it's time because it was a liquid filled silicone yeah. case and like people didn't understand you open that on an airplane a lot of that's coming out um, the O2 Diver which I thought was super cool like kind of flopped because everybody at the time that was before people were ready to accept Bill and Ross's like not a square watch yeah um, so it was the first you know non-square watch then the 126s and the 123s came out which were well received from the vintage series so I don't know. I think this is a a good way at kind of uh, you know riding the coattails of these brands that are having a lot of success, but doing it in a little bit different way that also still kind of has some some you know Bell and Ross lineage to it. Yeah. Um, you know, by yeah, all means, it's not a free pass. We're still roasting them a little bit, <laughs> but I I am generally I want to see the watch. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, that's Same. that's kind of where we where I stand, and I think Armin agrees on the 05. Um, I'm trying to think, what was the, like, did we miss, did we skip one? So you had the 01, the 02, the 03. Was there an 04? Where's the 04? Hmm. That's another thing in the name that, that I just, there is, I don't think there's a 04. There's the uh, 92, you know there's the, the 94, which was the chronograph designation.
1: You know why they might've skipped 04? I think because they wouldn't sell any in the Asian market. I've, that's my that's my call on that. I'm Bell and, so Ross, Bell and what do you think?
0: Ross. So but my thing and here's here call me crazy. Uh, Bell and Ross I think it was started in 1994. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken mm-hmm. it was the year that they came out. Why haven't we seen a 1994? Oh man, yeah. Like where wh- who's just send my royalty checks over. And hey man,
1: 2024 it's... is not far away. There you go. Well, All I right. So yeah, 25th anniversary. Weird.
0: So next watch, uh, I don't think it gets as a, as much of a pass. This is the brand new Big Pilot, or no, I'm sorry, it's not called a call, Big Pilot. <laughs> uh, it's their Pro Pilot X, I believe. it is. so it's using the the Pro Pilot case with their in-house 11-day movement that they previously the Caliber 11, I believe it's called. They previously were already making, but now it's skeletonized, uh, a la and Zenith Defy style and illegible. It, it
1: it's impossible to read.
0: Well, no, you don't need to read a Pilot watch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's not a staple of pilot watches that it's, you know, legibility. You don't right. you need time for.
0: Well, no, the, like the original the original watch wasn't fashioned to a strap because you needed to be able to read it easily. <laughs> right, right. So all kidding aside, this is actually a really good movement. It is. So I give them props for that. It, this blows the Bell & Ross away in terms of movement. It's an in-house caliber. It's 11-day power reserve. It's proven to be pretty damn reliable Yeah. Uh, in their past offerings. I
1: haven't seen QC the issues major with it. It's nice
0: major major problem with this movement is the price point of the watch. I agree entirely. Out. So we're seeing other pilots, right? So you can, if you like the idea of an in-house 11 day Oris, great. Go buy the watch pre-owned, yep. the one from 2 years ago and you get a hell of a deal pre-owned on that. Awesome watch. deal. And um, it's an
1: awesome watch. It's a great movement.
0: Fantastic movement. Big, the the pilot case to me had some problems to begin with. I it it's okay. Yeah. This piece right here is a little weird to me. So they're using the movement. Uh, they took the, essentially, you know, whatever you want to call it. They basically ripped the Zenith Delphi bridge. Uh, you know, I think I screenshotted a, a Defy as well that we could throw up right after this. But, I mean, if yep. you can't see the architectural imbalance in, in that copy, like, you're blind. You, mu- you must really, really love this new Ors. I, I Again, good movement. Weird way to 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 do those two top bridges, yeah, right? The top yeah. bridge and the everything else is fine. Give well, it a pass. You know what? The though, two, the bridge at the top and the bottom is weird.
1: The uh, talk about the case structure a little bit. I mean, I for one cannot stand straps with end links. It drives me nuts. I can't stand it. I find it doesn't. Again, you know, not to harp on my wrist size, but I have about a seven-inch wrist, right? Every time there's one of these weird integrated bracelet end links with a strap attachment, it never fits me right, and I think uh, it's just a weird move. It just well, makes so the it's watch a big, wear so it's much larger. It's a big
0: watch to begin with. It's forty-four, right? It's a forty-four millimeter case, and then you add those those extra so now you're you're not even fighting the crown the, yeah. you're not even fighting the guards coming out like the the horns you're fighting this end link in the strap
1: just from 6 to midnight there um, look at look at the difference in between the measurement of the end of the lugs and the end of the actual link and then to think the the, the the strap itself is going to come out from that. It's going to be, the lug-in to lug-in effectively is going to be, like, 60 millimeters on this. It's am,
0: gonna I, be, am I also seeing, is it just me, or am I also seeing a little tag Carrera in that strap?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely, a perforated strap. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. Like, that's a racing strap. It's not a racing watch. It's a pilot's watch. Right. It, it's it's a bit confused to me. I, again, movement movement up, or rather, movement down, it's great.
0: So if you're going to lease this on a strap, I think it had you know, Listen, you put this on a cummerbund strap, maybe with like a leather fold over or something, you make it kind of kind of weird, like modern versus yeah. vintage. But so, also, the, the bracelet not only has a little bit of a, a tag career feel to me, but I've heard on Instagram people calling it like a very finissimo styled bracelet. Mm-hmm. I guess the angular lines on it, it's nowhere ni- as nice as, the yeah, no, they're bracelet.
1: hard lines, and that's probably it.
0: Um, I, the Design aesthetic of the outside bezel matching the crown, I like. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like that, that, touch that too. that gearing is also, again, on the original pilot, had that as well. It's not a pilot knurling. To me, it's more of like a Formula One nor- knurling yeah, on the bezel. Yeah, So it's a little weird, but that existed well, on the
1: other pilot. They could have done knurling like the IWC does on that one 44-millimeter that like vint- yeah. vintage piece. I like that kind of knurling, and that type of knurling makes so, sense, both from the watchmaking standpoint and the usability standpoint.
0: Also, Oris has done that. Oris they had have. the their flight pieces with those. Yeah, as I well. forgot about so, that. Um, I don't know. I think that this probably would have done. So, if this had the rotor from the Bell and Ross on it, and it was marketed as a you know a Formula One sports watch, I think we're right there. But as a
1: pilot, it's weird to me. Yeah, it is definitely a strange choice for a pilot. And then
0: let's talk about how expensive that movement makes this. <sighs> watch. So the Bell and Ross. Just to keep drawing comparisons, that's going to be like a fifty-two hundred dollars watch at yep. retail. That very, very likely you're probably going to be able to buy for four grand. Um, you know, four forty five hundred forty-five
1: hundred dollars the first year, I would say.
0: Uh, this watch retails for, I believe, it's seventy-two hundred
1: Swiss francs. It's it's too much money. <laughs> it's, that's <laughs> it's, how, it's that's a lot of Auras right there.
0: So if my math is right, you could probably buy a Defy Twenty One and keep some money in the bank versus buying one of these at retail.
1: I think you're right, actually. Yeah. You could definitely get into one pre-owned. There's I don't know
0: about you. I mean, the 11-day movement's cool, but El Primero.
1: The thing is, with the power reserve, I, I understand the idea of wanting a really long power reserve. It's really cool. One of the reasons I like Jorn so much. But do, do you need do you need the 10-day on, on, on a pilot? I mean, I don't know. I, I just don't know.
0: For those super long flights. Yeah, I mean, I'm never
1: gonna wind my watch while I'm in the I air think, ever.
0: So what I would have, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't so mind the 11 day power reserve. I think it's cool. You, you have a super long power reserve with the power reserve indicator. Also, there's there's a lot about this that I'm gonna pick apart and that we have picked apart. Yeah. The power reserve I think is the only thing that's holding it up uh, with that
1: movement. I so, will say though, like if the movement to me it looks. It looks nice. The movement straight movement. It looks okay. You know, I like I like the way it looks. It has a purposeful industrial look, but it would look really good at $4400. It would look just, really I good. I think there.
0: so if I design if if that's my child, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. my design child. I birthed this. And that dial and that movement like, it just doesn't make it into this case. I no, don't. I it's agree. It's a weird decision. I agree. There's a lot of Bill & Ross cases that are... Uh, Oris cases that I like that I think would have done better on Same. this. The, yeah. the
1: Artix GT. I think what they were trying to do in this one is make this a very modern watch, and they succeeded in making it a modern watch. You know, it's big, the angles are hard, and you can see the case. It kind of has almost a... Oh, jeez, I guess a pseudo, you know, modern deco look to it in a weird way. It does look very... JCB, uh, yeah. JCB. I mean, it really does. So the Artix GT
0: case, which was their like five years ago, was their Formula One push. Do you remember that piece that had like the linear power reserve yes. on the dial and yes. the ceramic bezel? Mm-hmm. You rebirthed the Artix GT with this as your GT concept, and and we're sitting here on this very same show on this very same night, saying you're you're a genius. This watch is amazing. <laughs> it just there, it it just missed its target. Yeah, I agree. But. Who knows, man? We might get this in the middle and be like, "This this watch, is freaking awesome!" That's the
1: thing with any of these. And we were talking actually before the show started. Any of these mid year releases, they tend to, they tend to take their time coming in. But it's always fun to see them when they come in because you know we have our, what our watch holidays are. are basel world and uh, Uh, sihh for the most part so it's always really exciting to see these mid-year releases and this is kind of the start of that season we were talking about earlier so we're
0: approaching the cool time of the year where we might get surprised yeah hopefully
1: we see these you know in time for holiday season a and whenever there's a drop like this that's massive or, or rather like well known it's usually available pretty quickly if it's not from sihh or basel so that's cool so coming from the comments, I just saw a comment that said that uh, Oris
0: offered a five percent discount already on the new pieces for podcast listeners. So like, let the d- discount race begin. I, I guess. mean, that's that's um,
1: brand suicide. Why?
0: So we'll see. <laughs> I don't. We'll see how it goes. Oh. Uh, in terms, we got a couple bonus watches. Uh, in terms of uh, what you guys might recognize as uh, riding the coattails of famous designs, uh, you know, Armin could speak a little bit towards one. Uh, the first one, so. Spirit of Big Bang, I believe it was, was the first. So, so this, do you guys know what watch is going to come <laughs> up after this watch?
1: The Spirit of Big Bang is a really cool watch, and it's, it's unapologetically Hublot, is really what it is, but it's unapologetically Hublot being a <laughs> a rich, poor man's Richard Mille. It's, it's a rich, poor man's Richard Mille. It's, you know, not quite as... Uh, something <laughs> the thing me out that, here. yeah
0: the thing that bothers me about the the spirit of big bang i think it like and i like it it's on it's, record so yeah it's it's all right the thing that bothers me about this piece is that the person that owns this watch instead of just like admitting that you bought this watch because it either one looks like the other piece or two it, well you got a fantastic freaking deal off off retail yeah like if you're a guy that's like well, i paid Forty percent of retail for this watch, and that made it worth buying it. Then great, just own that, dude. Don't yeah. like try and sell me the watch at because it's it. You know, I had a hundred thousand dollar retail, and, and you want to sell it like it does. The watch is basically a dog of a Hublot.
1: So that's the thing with 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 Hublot sometimes that that um, you know uh kind of gets to me after a while because we were discussing my watch. Okay, this, at the time it came out, I think it had like a $73 or $7,600 retail, which is great. It puts it at a really reasonable price point. Is it a little expensive for the movement? Yeah, but it's a Hublot. You know, you're getting, yeah, you're paying for a name, I guess, <laughs> in a little bit. Um, but this piece, if I if I remember correctly, I think retail on this is mid to high 20s. So, Yes it is a lot but you are getting uh you know you are getting an in-house movement right uh... <laughs> I think you are getting an in-house movement on this one um let's give it the
0: benefit of the doubt Yeah
1: and it it really it's not something that I necessarily would want to wear for any reason other than it looks like an RM and this is you know, this is the type of watch that... I'm, I'm going to be a little candid on this one. I'm sorry. This is the type of watch that the guy who beats you up in the bar wears. And he's, like, the rich guy who's just better than you, except his taste in watches. Like, that's the guy who wears this. And, and, and like, I, I'm not that guy, but I do like the watch. So you aspire to be that guy. I aspire to be the guy that beats you up in a bar. All
0: right. Well, there you go. Famous words from Armin. <laughs> it's nice having you on the show. All right. I'll see you. No, so, time. yeah, so you got the Helo RM comparison... Um, next watch was a, was one that, uh, I think I've drawn this contrast before, but they uh, so pointed it,
1: out the fire truck and they were right. It was a fire truck. Yeah. This is our,
0: <laughs> we support our local fire department. Uh, <laughs> they asked for a shout out. So, um, so you have the, uh, GMT quartz Grand Seiko sporting, uh, it's yellow. You guys may recognize this from the thumbnail of the video, uh, sporting its yellow GMT hand, which is totally unique. has never been done on a watch before. <laughs> um this piece is quartz cool it's, dial, it's actually though. the watch is pretty cool um you may notice uh, very very uh the 24-hour bezel and the color gmt hand looking like something else on the market such as this next photo this would be your 216570 <laughs> black dial so the black version of the watch that i'm wearing currently and uh if so just look at the gmt hand and the 24-hour bezel and let's let's pop back to the other photo I mean, come on, guys. It's,
1: yeah, the comparison, the Crown Guards, it's, you know. Grand Seiko...
0: uh, I I will give them this. That's like a $2,000 watch.
1: Yeah. So,
0: but it's quartz. Yeah, it is quartz.
1: I love the brand to death. I mean, you know, I have, what, 15, 20 Seikos in my personal collection. Mm -hmm. Um, I absolutely love the brand, love Grand Seiko, and this is, it's uncharacteristic for them. I, I think the The quartz is very cool, you know. Their Grand Seco quartz movements are fantastic, of course. But nine F, yeah, yep. yeah. Uh, the thing is, they don't they don't do loom often, and I find when they do loom, they don't apply it as liberally, to, or rather, liberally enough to make it useful. And I don't mean to say it's useless; it's enough to kind of you know glance and see, but it's not. It doesn't provide that same contrast. Now, the counterpoint to that, I'll say is the finishing of the hands overall. The finishing's outrageous. I mean, there's no... Grand other. Seiko
0: in general's finishing... Uh, so my major problem with Grand Seiko and the reason I haven't bought one yet for myself, even though I want to, every Grand Seiko that comes out, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's not for me. Yeah. Like, I feel like they have not designed a watch yet for me. that really... So they, they don't really push sports stuff, right? Grand Seiko is very elegant. Like, a lot of times, and I've said it before, it feels like your grandfather's watch or it feels like an older gentleman's watch. Yeah. They don't do a lot of sports stuff. The stuff they do in sports, like the ceramic bezel uh, chronographs, are just way too big. Um, yeah. And then so they this are, piece, but
1: they're really good. Ugh.
0: They're fantastic, except <laughs> for the one that's on the ceramic and steel bracelet. That watch is hideous. Uh, but that watch on a strap is awesome. I feel like this thing was is been the closest Grand Seiko that has caught my attention, and I don't even hate that it's quartz. I like the 9F movement. It's a freaking awesome quartz movement. And I'm not a I'm not a quartz hater. I have yeah, no, I have either. some quartz watches. I have the Bell, uh, the uh, Brightling yep. with the, the, the Any Ani- Digi. Um, you know, and a couple other quartz watches. I'm not hating on that. It's just I already own the better version of this, which is the Explorer two, so I'm not gonna buy that Grand Seiko. Yeah. yeah.
1: But the, the Grand Seiko, when I when I saw it uh, come out, I I looked at it. Very seriously, personally, and then ultimately, I decided against it, which is the case with me and a lot of Grand Seikos. Oftentimes, if I see a Seiko, I will just buy it and have it. Yeah. They're an easy collectible, easily collectible price point. It's but that, I, when um, you consider the the thousands range, guiding up to Grand Seiko, yes, I would buy this watch for you know three thousand dollars. But ultimately, it's not. It wasn't the direction that I wanted my collection to go at the time. But at at some point, I will say with confidence, I do want a high-end quartz piece in my collection. Like, an actual, well-finished quartz movement. Dude,
0: I was standing on the edge of the the roof, getting ready to jump into an Elegante 48. Yeah, I I support that move. I had it on my wrist, and I'm like, should I do it? Should I not do it? I was wearing the finissimo at the time. I'm like, I don't know, man. This thing scared me, too. And I took the leap of faith, and I loved it.
1: I fully support. I might the do it. I
0: don't know. It's it's so sick, but it's also it's a lot of money. Well, the
1: full loom dial. It's, it's it dope. is it is a nice chunk of change for sure. But the what you get is, I mean, entry it, into the into the. It Jordan might community. happen <laughs> sooner
0: rather than later. It's on the hit list. It. I haven't. I like to do, just an exorbitant amount of research when I buy stuff, and I haven't quite done enough to say I'm going to spend 10, 10 or twelve grand on this thing, but I like the watch a lot. Yeah, and yeah, it's amazing. The newer iterations, you know, you guys know me. I'm going to have to throw that green strap on that on that dark titanium yeah. case piece. But, uh, all right, we Love wanted to uh, leave a couple minutes for questions. Armin's first time being on the show in the trading desk. So if you guys have questions for Armin or for myself in the chat, uh, please go ahead and drop them now. We'll try and answer them in a expedient fashion.
1: I see John Doe really wants us to talk more about Rolex. Is that okay? Rolex. Loves loves when we talk about Rolex. Um,
0: well, I mean, this show is not uh, very heavily Rolex based. I mean, we, <laughs> we did
1: some. No, it wasn't. But uh, all so right, here's so. actually a point. Um, Babylon uh, ENT writes. This is funny. How is the Grand Seiko a copy of the Rolex or the Rolex? Uh, excuse me. A copy of the Rolex when Rolex were the copycats back in the day, and did the Pepsi bezel. Seiko was the first with the Pepsi bezel on the Seiko sixty-one thirty-nine. So two wrongs make a right. That's not true. But it's like even so, how could they be this if they
0: did this? It doesn't.
1: Yeah. Um, So we're not saying. I'm not saying directly that it's a copy. I'm saying it it bears a lot of it, resemblance. Well, so
0: the reason it's on this episode is because this episode is is titled "Riding Coattails." That watch came out, and the only thing people were talking about was putting it side by side next to an. Explorer yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, you if you can look at that watch and say that there's no modern day, uh, crossover, then you're out of your you're out of your freaking mind.
1: Also, the 6139 bezel is uh, it's a it's a chronograph, so there's it's kind of. Um, geez not really comparing apples to apples yeah
0: so watch lounge has uh jason and armin what's your next personal purchase um i'm sure there'll be a for me there'll probably be a couple i actually bought a uh a little bit of a seiko the other night oh, on ebay uh may have had a couple of drinks before <laughs> i bought it but um so there's that there's always a couple of those I will say for uh, lower price point, a LHD Pelagos has been on my yeah, kind of like three thousand
1: dollar hit list. They need to make that on a khaki dial, khaki green dial. Yeah,
0: dude, I'd, yeah. Um, I've been calling for that for a little while. We'll see. Maybe, maybe that would be drop, cool. It'll drop that tonight, cool. and then you'll you'll send it to me. So LHD on a personal level, around three grand if I get one, um, and then the next big. You know, high purchase uh, is probably going to be the Smurf. I think I'm just going to yeah. stop buying watches I yeah. buy my Smurf.
1: That's a good move. I like that move a lot. Yeah. What about you? I Anything have a in my bin actually. Uh, it's already here. I have an Omega KO2907. It's a geez. It's a 35 millimeter uh, chronograph. Oh, it has this I saw this piece. 321 movement, and it's on one of those old gold Spidel bracelets. I can't wait to look like an old man wearing it. I absolutely love the watch. And it's 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 one of those ones where it's it's a reference that's a little bit rarer than you might think. You usually, you know, you'll see pieces that are very similar to that, but uh just a slightly different reference which, you know, it's just a reference. It's a to me the watch is a 321 movement and I'm dying to have it. I think it needs kind of a pricey overhaul, so I'm not really looking forward to that, but uh we'll see. <laughs> it's, it's when you brought it over to my
0: desk and you were wearing it. I was like, dude, did you just buy that? Because it's a very Armin watch. And then, like, when I saw him wearing it, I know. And you saw the glow on his face when he brought it over to show it to me. I was like, you're going to buy that. I know,
1: judging by my Hublot, it doesn't look like I'd even care about, uh, you know, a 321 movement in Omega. But boy, is that, the, is that far from the truth. Uh, let's see.
0: Um, just going through. Trying to get thoughts on a 2018 JLC Polaris from H. Papa. Uh, I've spoken about that watch before a little bit of a lackluster drop for me kind of really didn't do anything Thing personally for me,
1: but I I so I like the watch a lot. The 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 killer with that piece for me personally, and again, uh, somebody mentioned always be candid, so I will. Uh, QC issues out uh, out the wazoo. I mean, they briefly I uh, believe stopped production because of the they uh, they did then fix the issue, and not only did they fix the issue, but they doubled down and gave themselves an eight-year warranty, which is outrageous. So that's that was JLC just correcting any wrong that they had done. I mean Yeah,
0: I, I like the watch from a actual quality standpoint. They're just they're from the drop. There were some pieces. Obviously, the blue ones, like the only one people want, yeah. the granulated blue dial. The world time version is is pretty cool in the Polaris, um, but I think they put a lot of, uh, you know, they put they pushed everything pot committed into the middle on that drop, and the watch just kind of fell through. Yeah, like it didn't quite hit where they thought it was gonna be.
1: Yeah, they they were kind of um, doing that. They they needed to release a sports model, and they did a good job in terms of, uh, you know, aesthetics and movements like Jaeger always does. But it was just kind of a, I I do agree to a somewhat uh, overhyped kind of drop on that. All
0: right. Uh, One more question, let's find, and then we'll get out of here. Let's see. Give me a good one.
1: Biggest disappointments, an interesting one, but I, nothing comes to mind actually. Um, hmm.
0: That might be a good uh, good topic for a show.
1: Yeah. Good job, John Doe. Um, oh, geez. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, watch aficionado. You're right. The eight year warranty is absolutely industry leading, and you know with. There's bold claims in the industry regarding warranties now. Rolex and Omega are both doing five-year warranties, which is great. There's a lot of, excuse me. There's a lot of people kind of pushing the mark past the two-year. Honestly, if you're a company now with a um, with a two-year warranty and you're not one of the one of the big three, the holy trinity, which even I think AP has a five-year warranty now. Um, it's it shows a lot to extend your warranty even like well, what omega did was extend their warranty on pieces that were sold past a certain point so that's even on moon watches which is great it shows a lot of confidence in your product
0: i think the extension of the warranty one shows confidence to and you know uh, gives people a little bit of comfort in knowing that you know they at least plan to be around for that long um so Part of the, the underlying is a lot of brands can extend their warranty. Part of the underlying problem with like this and this is a whole different segment. Swiss watch industry is service cost and like what they actually so I can extend the warranty all I like. Doesn't mean I'm gonna cover it under yeah. warranty. So like that's a whole different thing. But like you gotta figure that brands that are extending the warranties are only are mostly doing this because the research has been done and shown in ninety percent of the, the cases that the watch probably doesn't need anything for warranty work until the fifth year or the sixth year. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're like, okay, we're safe to push it out this far, which is great. And That's great, and they've done the research to know that, and that just means they're making a quality product. Also, with technology now, like with the the you know the coaxial movements and stuff like that, we're seeing watches that don't even need to be serviced till way out past the warranty's it's a- even, even uh, you know expired. So it's
1: awesome, and this is where innovation in the industry is going. I think. Um- New materials being used mean for less often service intervals, and that's you you don't want to think about service when you're wearing your watch. You know, you know it's something that's going to happen, but honestly, you want to forget about it until it needs it, and then that's why I'm a big proprietor of wear it until it doesn't work. I I, I like preventative maintenance, but ultimately I I am the type of person who. Yeah, I'll change the oil in my car, but um, I'm going to wear my watch every day. Yeah, man, it's five minutes fast today. Oh, that's weird. And just continue wearing it. I I am not the guy that
0: is... So when I make the watch purchase, I think about cost of ownership. Yeah. Right? Eventually, this is going to cost me X. Yeah, I can afford it. But I'm not wearing the watch every day going, is it the day? Is it the day? Yeah. Like, if I'm not setting... I've never... So I've been doing this for a long time. I've been doing this over 15 years, the watch space. I have never set a watch to, like, a satellite time zone. No. There are guys that will wake up in the morning and will not put a watch on their wrist unless they've set it against the satellite time system. Atomic clock. And I have never once done that. For me, personally, I mean, I've set customers' watches when they ask me for it, but I've never once done that for myself. If my watch is off 10 seconds, 20 seconds, I give a shit. Yeah, it doesn't I mean, bother me at all. So so long as it's not uh, more than a minute and it's noticeable. Like, if I look down and it's two minutes off, I'm yeah. gonna be like, uh, did I set my watch I mean, right? some
1: of my vintage pieces lose and gain time, like, the tides. Part of their, uh, it's part of their appeal, their honestly. Arm. I mean, this, this Omega, when I get it, I know it's going to be... I know it needs a service, but I'm going to wear it for a year and a half before I send it in for service.
0: And the date just that you had, your favorite part of telling people about that date just is that this was a factory flaw dial. My date
1: just was a factory flaw dial and I'll never have it again. I'm sure we can make something (laughs) happen. Anyways,
0: all right, we're gonna go ahead and call it. We are approaching uh I believe it's we have like eighty nine thousand seven hundred and something. It's getting there. We're gonna do ninety thousand also I want to go ahead and implore you guys, call of action. I need you to like the video, leave a comment, do something, because we need to beat Brian's show consecutively. (laughs) I mean, hands down, we've been doing it. His show, you know, it's whatever. But like the video, comment, 15,000 views this week. Get Armin to come back. Yeah. 15,000 views, Armin comes back. All right, guys. Thanks.